this morning, I actually want to share with you some kind of start into a series. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how many weeks just yet, but this is something that I have been praying about. It's just been on my heart for a while and uh, and just really seeking the Lord about. And so uh, my goal is so I, I entitled this message hungry. And uh, you ever been real hungry? You know, if it's been like, man, I just need something to eat. And, or you went and ate something. You're like, I'm still hungry, you know, and, uh, and so, and really the, the, my goal in this is to actually create some curiosity a little bit in you, but also create an opportunity in you. And actually what Philip was sharing right there at the end of worship, he didn't know it, but it actually lines up with my message, uh, quite well. And I always love it when it works that way. And, uh, you know, and I appreciate our team so much. And, um, but. You know, a number of years ago, I did electric work, like house electric work. And uh, so I was kind of funny when we were... um when we were pastoring in Arkansas, I did electric work as well. And so I actually worked with another pastor of another church in town. And it was a smaller town. And so people thought it was really strange that two pastors, number one, would be around each other. Number two, liked each other and would work together and all these things. And so they'd, we'd walk in a lot of places and they'd be like, let me get this straight. Y'all are both pastors? And they're like, yep. And they're like, in the same city? Yep. And y'all are friends? Yep, pretty good friends. Yeah, we're, we're pretty good friends. And it would just baffle people's minds, which I understand why, because that's probably the norm. Um, but anyhow, so my buddy was an electrician, and so one day we're driving in the truck, and we're, you know, half the time we'd drive around talking about the Lord or church or whatever, and then we'd go do some electric work here and there. And uh, But one day we were driving, and and he said, hey, you hungry? Because we'd always try to beat the, 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 the lunch rush. And, uh, and I was like, meh. Not really. And he's like, could you eat? And I'm like, oh, sure, I can always eat. And, uh, and he laughed real big. And he goes, man, I love that about you. He said, you're always ready to eat. And I'm like, pretty much, you know, if there's food, I'm going to eat it. And, uh, which is good until you go on the mission field and they keep wanting to feed you all the time. And you're just like, I can't eat any more food. And, uh, but, uh, you know, is so even in this, though, is that I believe that we should, and I'm going to use some natural uh, connections this morning to help you connect to some spiritual truth. Uh, but I think that just like we always get hungry, and, you know, I don't know about you, I don't miss too many meals. Uh, if, you know, it's funny how my body just says, hey, it's time to eat. And I'm like, I'm not even hungry. My body's like, it's time to eat. And I'm like, well, I guess I should go eat something. And, uh you know, but the Bible actually talks quite a bit about spiritual hunger. And this has really been kind of the focus of my prayer uh, over these last couple of months is uh, just to really, the, I've been kind of just seeking the Lord about it and asking him to stir up our hunger and our desire, not just to uh, come to church, not just to have a service, but to really uh, have a hunger to experience God at a very real personal level. And, uh, and I realize some, for some of you, um, that may be a new concept or a new idea. Um, but that's why I'm going to spend some weeks teaching you about teaching, uh, to you about it, because I want to create in you the faith to believe that you can actually experience God for yourself in your life in a way that it actually makes a difference. I can preach thousands of sermons and it make marginal difference in your life. You're like, well, why would you say that? Tell me what I preached last Sunday. My point probably just got proven. But a moment in the presence of God will mark you forever. I can take you back to specific moments in my life where God, where I connected with God. I could take you to specific spots in this room where I have connected with God in a, in a special way. Like at certain times. 
where the presence of God would come on me in a moment. And there's something about connecting with God in that way. And I'm not diminishing diminishing scripture and I'm also not elevating experience. I think we can have both. As a matter of fact, I think we need both. Because I need the word of God to give context to my experience. That way I know if I'm getting out there and getting weird, which you hear me say a lot, because I've seen a few weird things in my church life. I don't want to be weird. I don't want you to be weird. But I do want you to be godly. And I do want you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. I want God's uh, nature and character to be formed in you. And it's not just in and of yourself. And that's going to happen when, when you really connect with God. You know, I mean, part of our vision, the number one thing is we want you to know God. And I don't want you to know him here. I want you to know him like what the Bible calls your innermost being. It's your spirit. I like, where it's more than head knowledge, it's real. Like, I can't exp- like, I'll say it this way. When you experience God, you may not be able to explain it, but you just know. And that's okay. I mean, God is beyond, he's infinite. My mind, your mind is finite. It means I have limitations in my understanding. I have limitations in my vocabulary. There are things and times and moments that I've experienced with the Lord that I can't put into words. I, I, I can't explain to you what happened. I just know that the Lord did a work in me and that I walked away different. I'll give me an example of this. And I've shared this many times. I dealt with depression. And in a moment, everything changed. I can't explain it. I don't know why. It wasn't like step A, B, and C. I wish I could give you that, but I can't. In a moment, and it felt like the weight of the world was lifted off of me. I walked into a room one way and I walked out of a room another. And it wasn't in a church service, by the way. I wasn't even serving the Lord. I had no interest in serving the Lord. The Lord kind of got my attention that day. And it was about six months later that I actually gave my life to the Lord. And so we still serve a God who is powerful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know there's a certain line of teaching that, hey, the the move of the Spirit or the power of God, the operation of God, that it it has ceased with the, the apostles. Well, the problem is the Bible doesn't support that. It just doesn't. And so I want to share some things with you about really uh, how, how do we stir up a hunger in our heart, but also how can we connect with God in a very real way. And so I'm going to share just some thoughts with you today about this. And we're just going to kind of jump in uh, to it full on. And so uh, in Luke chapter 4, I'm going to give you the background, but Jesus gets water baptized. Holy Spirit comes down, has this magical moment. He comes out and he leaves. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus is led into the wilderness. And so starting in Luke chapter 4 verse 1, it says that Jesus, who was full of the Holy Spirit at this moment, returned from the Jordan. It says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Which some of you theology may be challenged with that statement. The Lord will lead you into a wilderness sometimes. It doesn't mean that he abandons you or that he leaves you alone, but it just means... There are some dry seasons. Why? Because without some dry seasons, we won't grow. There are seasons, just like there are four seasons of the year. There are those correlate to spiritual seasons as well. And so that's important to know. But it says that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness where he would be 
this translation says tempted. Other translations say tested or tried by the devil for 40 days. And it says, and Jesus ate nothing at that time and became very hungry. How many of you ever gone four hours without food and thought you needed some? You know, it's like, it's about five o'clock. I ate lunch at noon and it's time. Jesus goes 40 days without water or food, which is crazy to think about. But it says that he became very hungry, which is actually interesting when you actually study this out with starvation. Is that if you fasted food completely, hunger pains will go away between day three and four. You'll forget about being hungry on day five. I've actually gone 14, I think, days with no food. That's the longest I've ever gone without food. Now I drink water. And it is true. And starvation actually won't set in until day 33. It's kind of crazy. This is the medical science behind it. So Jesus is out there for just say 33 days. He's good. He's kind of hitting into his, what I would call my fasting zone. It's like everything's good. I'm just clicking along. Everything's good. Day 33, 34, starvation starts setting in. By day 40, it says that he was very hungry. Jesus was starving. His body is in full-on self-protect mode. So I just want to give you some context of what's happening here. It says, and then the devil said to him, it says, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. Now notice how the, the, the enemy phrases the question. Hey, if you're really the son of God, prove it. If you are, you can do this. Jesus absolutely could turn this stone into bread. There's no question about that. Jesus could do it, but it was the question and the motive behind the question is the reason that Jesus couldn't. And he actually gives us some understanding. He says, but Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say that people shall not live by bread alone. Other translations say, uh, add this in, and it actually comes out of the original, is in Deuteronomy 8.3. It says that man should not live by bread alone, but every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Is that I don't live, let me say it this way, I'm not sustained by the food that I consume. I'm actually sustained by the presence of God in my life. Well, the presence of God, yes, it is his word, but it is his spirit, and we need his spirit. We need a, a touch from heaven. So that it's more than just religion, that it actually becomes real and it actually has real implications in our life for the good. And so uh, Jesus made the statement in John chapter 6 verse 35. He says that I am the bread of life and whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He's not talking about meat and potatoes and a drink. He's talking about what Philip was talking about, this whole, this, this part of our soul that is not and cannot be satisfied with anything that this world has to offer. The Bible tells us that every single human being is born with an understanding of eternity that has been placed into our heart. And we're all longing for that. That's why when you first got saved, many of you probably had the experience of like, oh my gosh, I feel so fulfilled and everything. It's like... Everything is good all of a sudden. Why? Because the thing that you have sought for, you found. And the thing is, is even with time, you know, I'm reminded of the scriptures and revelations where he's talking to a church. He says, I have this one. He goes, you do all these amazing things. You guys have a rocking church. It's amazing. I just have one issue. You forgot your first love. 
You're doing all these things for me, but you forgot about me. You forgot about your relationship, your connection with me. And that is a battle that we all will deal with and all will face. The longer that we serve the Lord, the the more intentional that we're going to have to be about connecting with the Lord and having that life-giving relationship with him. Because he wants to give it to us. It's, It's absolutely his desire. But one of the things that I see here in the temptation uh, that Jesus experiences, and, and this is just a warning for us, and it's something for us to pay attention, to be mindful of, is that Satan will come in our weakest moments with temptation. The things that you would normally totally blow off and say, no way, no how, get out of here, devil. When you're tired, you're susceptible. You will watch things that you would never watch when you're too tired to think about it. You will put yourself in situations that you would never allow yourself to be in. You'll do things that you would never do except for that you're tired. You need to be aware of that. Not in a fearful kind of way, but just in a a very practical thing. Is that when you're tired, your guards are down. They are. You'll compromise on things. You'll, you'll do things that, that you wouldn't normally do. You'll even say things. I mean, have you ever been with like somebody that you know really well and, and they just start talking kind of funny, kind of crazy, and you're like, you just need to go to bed. Like, you're talking nonsense. I mean, we, you know, of course, there's the slogans is that you're not you when you're hungry, you know, Snickers and all of these things. Remember the Betty White commercials? And those were hilarious. And, you know, I mean, all of those things. And, you know, but there's some truth in this. And so we need to be careful, but also even in our seasons of tiredness, is that we need to know and to go to the right well. Because just because you're tired, let me say it this way, physical tired is different than mental tired. Spiritual tired is different than mental or physical tired. If I'm physically tired, I, me personally, this is just me, I need about six to seven hours of sleep. Maybe. That's... that's that's my sweet spot. My wife requires a little more than me. Um, and so when she tries to run my pace, she gets overly tired. Why? Because she's trying to keep up with me. You know, we, it was funny. Last week we were talking after church. We were driving, going to lunch or whatever. And uh, she made, I, I, I said something. I forget. What, I don't even know how it came up. But she said something because uh, I'm older than her. And, uh, and I said something about her being married to a younger man. <laughs> You know, and she goes, I feel like it sometimes trying to keep up with you, you know, and uh, uh, yeah. And so, but, but there is this physical tired, right? And that's sleep, but your mind needs rest too. Why? Because you mentally get fatigued and no amount of sleep is just going to help you with that. I mean, it does help some, but your mind needs to disengage too. But you know, you can become spiritually tired, as well and no amount of sleep and no amount of vacation and no amount of relaxation and no amount of feeding your soul is going to fix your spirit there's only one person that can actually restore your your spirit and that's jesus it really is the truth and so you have to go to the right well in these seasons of tiredness in these seasons of uh you know of really uh that longing within you. You ever had that feeling or that thought like something just ain't right? I just don't know what it is. Like somebody may even ask you like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, I don't know. I just feel off. 
That's a warning sign, right? Could be. Because you're probably not physically tired. But it could be mental. It could be spiritual. And you need to figure out which one because that's going to tell you how you recharge your batteries, how you refill your tanks. In uh, John chapter 4 verse 34, so we just read at the beginning of chapter 4. In verse 34, the disciples bring Jesus some food. They bring him lunch. And Jesus is actually the encounter with the woman at the well. We're going to look at another verse from this uh, account here in a few minutes. Jesus is sitting at the well and there's a lady. He's like, hey, would you give me something to drink? And she's like, you know, they have this dialogue and all these things. And so then he begins to tell her about her life. And she's like, oh my gosh, she must be a man of God, all this stuff. And she runs back to the city. Pretty amazing story. The disciples show up at lunch and they're like, Jesus, you need to eat something. And he goes, no, I have food. He actually says it this way. I have nourishment that you know not of. In other words, guys, I'm living from a different buffet than you. I have a different well than you do. And, he, and when you study that out, it actually talks about that word nourishment there. It means that it's that which truly satisfies and delights the soul and the spirit. You eat food to take care of your body, but you need to have something that will feed your mind and your spirit that will actually satisfy your longing. And if you're looking, you're longing. If you're looking for something currently... I'm telling you, you're longing, and I'm here to tell you what you're longing for. You may not even know it. And, and, and so here, and so here's the thing is that Jesus really, and we, you can say it a few ways, is that Jesus will not only fill our soul, but he actually will fulfill. So you can kind of alliterate, you can play on the words there, but he will fill your soul to the full in a way that no human being, no experience, no thing, nothing in this life will ever satisfy. Him and him alone will satisfy that part of your heart, that, that part of who you are. And without it, you will always be lacking something and looking for something. And you could be in here in the sound of my voice, say, I've been in church for 30 years and you could be looking and longing right now. You may be able to speak the scripture and quote and pray and do all these things with the best of them and still be longing for this connection with the Lord. Why? Because we were made for this. We were built to have this connection with the Lord. And so we need to pay attention to our souls. We need to take soul care. Like, you know, I mean, walking around this building today, I'm sure you've probably asked somebody, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Everything's great. We're happy. Things are good. Things, you know, we're busy, but things are good. Yeah, but what if I asked you, how's your soul? Like, let's move past the surface. How are you really doing? How's your, how's your connection with the Lord? How's your connection with your family, your kids, your spouse, your friends? Like, what, what, what's your life really looking like right now? See, oftentimes we turn to many avenues, we look to things, experiences, relationships to try to satisfy these longings within our souls. And they may provide some momentary satisfaction. I mean, I know right now we're in the midst of summer. I, two weeks ago, I went on vacation and came home and thought, I need another week. Like it just... I mean, how many times you go to vacation, you come back more tired than you went. See, I had to learn how to vacation. Now, some of you are like, that's crazy. No, I wanted a plan. Like, I'm going to go snorkel this day. Then I'm going to go do this, that. I'm going to do that. I'm exhausted by the time I got home because I never slowed down. 
Until one day in the Key West, I found a hammock and they brought me a frozen uh, washcloth and said, would you like a popsicle? I thought, man, I could do this again. And that became my every day. I'm like, hey, let me get one of them frozen towel things and bring me a popsicle, please. That'd be awesome. I'm just laying out there and I'm like, hmm, this must be what the spa feels like. I'll never know, but, you know. And I learned to relax a little bit and not fill the calendar up so much. And, uh, you know, and, and so, but we can really, we can get momentary satisfaction. And the fact that we get momentary satisfaction and then it goes away so quickly tells us that we're actually missing something. That we're lacking something. You know, if you were lacking in nutrition, you could go to the doctor and they could say, hey, you need vitamin B, you need, you know, this, you need that, you need, you need more protein intake, you need this, all those things. Well, what do you do spiritually? What do you do in your soul when you're lacking nutrients that you need? You go to the doctor. The doctor just happens to be named Jesus. And he will tell you, this is what you need. I mean, I, I've had it happen before where the Lord has ministered to me. Which, by the way, at the end of the 40 days, the Bible says that angels actually came and ministered to Jesus. They actually came and strengthened him. After the end of the 40, the, that 40 days of temptation, there were three temptations that we know of that happened. But it says that strength actually came. And the Lord will do the same thing for you. There are seasons, there are trying seasons, there are times where it seems like, God, I'm out in the wilderness. But God says, I will refresh your soul, I I will be there for you, I will come through for you. But see, many times we begin to look to other things, and we because it's easier to go to the natural realm... Why? Because those are the things that we see all the time. Those are the things that we understand. So we think things like this, is when I get that new job, I'll be better. I'll be satisfied. When I get that promotion, that'll do it for me. When I get to that next level of success, that'll do it for me. Well, when I get married, I'll be better. Well, Then when I have kids, I'll be better. Well, man, can I just get these kids out the house? Like, if I can just get there, like, I'll be better. You see the progression, it just becomes something else. As opposed to just being present in the season and enjoying the gift that is today, it's always about tomorrow. Well, that's rooted in that we're not satisfied. Well, if we get that bigger house, we go to that trip. If I get these friends, if I get those relationships, if I, if I could just have this, if I could, I'm telling you, there's something inside that's off. There's something inside deficient, and that's what's creating these longings. Look, there's nothing wrong with wanting a new job. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be married. There's nothing wrong with wanting your kids out the house. Some of you say, hallelujah. But I'm a long ways from it, so I'll just be jealous from a distance, you know. But there's nothing wrong inherently with those things. But when that's the goal, the ultimate goal... You're going to be left wanting. You're going to be left lacking some things. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, starting at Marie, verse 12 and 13. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. He says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Whether it is with a full stomach or, or empty, with plenty or with little. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
He said, it doesn't matter if I have a lot. doesn't matter if I have a little. Why? Because those things are secondary. What matters is, is Christ alive on the inside of me? Because when Christ is, 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 is on the inside of me and strong on the inside of me, in other words, when my connection with him is right, I can do anything. The flip side is true too. When my connection with the Lord becomes weak, I'm not very strong. I'm not able to do the things that he has for me to do. You're not able to do those things. And so we've been designed for this life-giving connection with the Lord, with Jesus himself. Why? Because John 10, 10, I've come that you would have life and life more abundantly. Jesus, I want to give you the very life that I have. It is eternal life and it is real and there are things about it that he wants us to experience. I believe that we can actually experience heaven on earth. Maybe not all the time, but I can have moments and I can have times I can get a glimpse of what heaven will be like. The Bible tells us that in Corinthians, it says that we see right now looking, it's like looking through tinted glass. You only see a partial picture, but you can still see somewhat of the picture. And I believe and I've experienced times where I know that I'm in the presence of God. And here's what I have found. I experience that when I want it. When I do it out of obligation, maybe, maybe not. When I do it out of routine, maybe, maybe not. Let me use a a little bit more. When I'm desperate enough, God meets me. When God's optional, he doesn't meet me. So the, the, the deciding factor is actually not with the Lord. It's actually with me. And, I, and my concern is, is that we can actually live lives that God is optional. Like a, rela- like a vibrant, real relationship with him is actually optional. And we don't view him as the necessity that he actually is if we want to really be fulfilled in our life. In John chapter 7, verse 37, Jesus stands up before a crowd of people. It's on the day, of, and he says, he says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me, and anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Other translations say that they will flow from your innermost being. They will flow out of your spirit, man, and it will affect your soul, and it will affect your physical body. I'll give you a story. When I was a child, if I had to guess, I was probably eight or nine years old. We were doing, um, I don't remember what we were doing at the church, but I was on the puppet team. Any puppet team members in here? How many know what I'm talking about? We need to bring puppets back to the church, by the way. Um, but I was on the puppet team, which meant I had to run the puppet. I, I, me and a friend of mine, my best friend, actually, his name was DC. And uh, we did this really large puppet. One of us did the hands. And the other one did the head. I don't remember which one I did and which one he did. But I remember, but we had some song for some special thing. I don't know what it was. And I remember every time I did it, I was exhausted. I mean, just sweating. Just, just, I don't know. Sweating, sweating, sweating. So we do our little thing. And everybody's like, Woo! you know, it's awesome, whatever. And uh, I remember I went to the back. And I, I, you know, I'm just a kid. I didn't know what's going on. But I remember I was telling an adult. I don't remember who it was. I was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And I was telling them, you know, kind of, and I, I now understand what it was. I didn't know it back then. It was actually my first time to ever encounter the anointing of God. Because where I had been exhausted, all of a sudden I wasn't. 
doing my little thing. Now, look, this is a goofy little example. But it has real meaning in my life. Because my life became a pursuit of that. I wanted to experience that again. I didn't know what that was. I didn't have the words for it. I didn't have the context for it. And then they asked for us to go back up and do it again. I'm like, I can't do it again. I'm exhausted. And I went back up there and we were able to do it again. And really for the next eight or nine years of my life, I I was searching for that moment. I was longing for that moment again. I didn't know about church. I didn't care about Jesus. But I knew whatever I had experienced. And that, there was something about that moment that marked me. And I wanted it. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to get it. I didn't know what I had done. I didn't know anything. Now, I couldn't have told you that. Looking back in hindsight, I can tell you. That was the first time I ever encountered the presence of God in a real way in my life. And all of a sudden, it was like, that's what I want. And I mean, like a mosquito to a light. That's what I wanted. I didn't know how to get it. I didn't, I mean, I did everything wrong, as a matter of fact. But I was always searching. Every relationship, every girlfriend I had, every friend that I had, every party that I went to, everywhere that I, everything was looking, trying to figure out what was that and how do I get it again. And it's what Jesus says here. He says that rivers of living water would actually flow from within you. You know, there's a song that I was reminded of as I was preparing for this. And I won't remember all the words, but it says, I've got a river of life flowing out of me, causes the lame to leap and the blind to see. Yes, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. We used to sing that song many years ago. But you know, there is real truth in that. Is what what you keep looking for is actually inside of you. You don't, it's not somewhere, it's right here. And we keep looking and going and searching and, find, and God said, I've got that life on the inside of you already. You just need to learn how to tap into the life that I've already placed on the inside of you. It is salvation. Salvation is more than a prayer. Salvation is a new way of living, a new way of doing life and, and pursuing life and, and just functioning. At the well that day, Jesus told this woman, he was talking before the disciples come and try to get Jesus to eat lunch. They're having this dialogue. And so they have this conversation back and forth, if you will. And Jesus just kind of, this is kind of where he starts to turn the tables on her a little bit. It was, it was casual and chill at first. And Jesus, just some, you know, you ever met somebody for the first time, you kind of have that introductory conversation? Before you kind of like get into anything. All right. Well, there, Jesus is about to turn the tables. Because he, he, but it, I don't want to read the whole story, but I want to read you one part of what he says to her. Because he asked her for water and then there's this whole dialogue. And he says, he says uh, to her, he says, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Because she's thinking, you're trying to get water out of this well. And Jesus is like, oh no, I'm talking about a totally different well. You can't drop your bucket into this well. But there is living water. And and, and I love this statement that Jesus says, if you only knew the gift that God has for you. I would say that to you today. If you only knew the gift that God has for you. You would ask him for some living water. And he will give it to you. The Bible says he won't withhold anything. As a matter of fact, 
Everything that heaven has to offer, God has already said yes to in Jesus. He's not withholding anything. But we have to have this desire, this hunger, because as I said a minute ago, we're the determining factor, not God. There's no, there's no hesitation on his part. There's no reluctance on his part. You're like, yeah, but you don't know my past. No, but I do know what Jesus did. And I still think his blood is powerful enough to cover all of our past. To wash away the past. So if that is a fact, and if that is true, then when God looks at me, he looks through blood-stained eyes and he no longer sees my past. Therefore, he doesn't say, you don't qualify. When he sees me, he sees me through the blood and the, or through the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And he says, all that I have, you can now have. All that I am, you can now have. See, we have to get out of the mindset of earning from God and really understand, I need to learn how to be loved by God. I'm not trying to get him to do anything. I'm not trying to win favor from him. Many times we can struggle in actually just receiving the love of God. Allowing him to be good to us. Allowing him to express who he is. Here in John 4, in verse 13 and 14, Jesus actually gives the example. He says, anyone who drinks this water, talking about the water from the well, would soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Giving them eternal life. For years, I, I, you know, I love quotes and phrases, but here's one that comes to mind, though. Is the proof of desire is in pursuit. How did my wife know I was interested in her before she was my wife? I pursued her. I wrote poetry. I bought flowers. I did all kinds of random things. And she reminds me, hey, whatever happened to that guy? (laughs) She's like, because I know you can because you used to. How did... She knew I was interested because I pursued her. Not in a creepy, weird way. But the proof of my desire, what if I was like, you're pretty cute. I think we should date. And then I never talked to her. What if I just flat out ignored her? She would go find somebody else. Why? Because there was no pursuit. So many times we can say, oh, I want more of God. I want more of God. Okay. Where's the pursuit? The proof of your desire is actually in your pursuit. It's in your actions. You know, even as we worship, are we really pursuing God? Are we just singing a song? Am I pursuing God? I need a connection with you because this week I'm not sure what's going to happen yet, but I know I'm better if I have you in my, uh, if if my tank is filled up and I need a refill. And I need your presence in my life. And, and so as I worship, I'm inviting you in to my life. God will never force himself on you. I know sometimes people are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to, you know, I, I, I'm concerned what the Lord may make me do. You know, I don't want to spin on my head like a top and be crazy. Let me just reassure you, God's never going to do anything that would embarrass you. With this caveat, if he did, you would totally be okay with it. I mean, God's not going to force you to do anything. You have to yield to the Spirit of God. You have to give way. 
But you have to allow God's Spirit to really come and to minister to you. Because the truth is, is that we all have desires and we all have needs. Doesn't matter your season of life, doesn't matter where you're coming out of, doesn't matter where you're headed into. Every season of my life, I've needed the presence of God. And I believe the Word of God and I I live off of the Word of God, but I don't live solely off of the Word of God. Because there are times that a scripture will not do for me. And I and I, I take nothing away from the Word of God when I say that. But there are times where I need the God of the Bible, not just the Bible. And I need to connect with the God of the Bible, not just read another chapter. There's nothing wrong with spiritual disciplines. God reveals himself through his word, but God is pointing us to a connection and a relationship of of uh, something that has real vitality to it is, is our connection with the Lord. So let me ask you a question and then I'm going to, I got two more scriptures. I'm going to read one and then we'll close out on the last one. But let me ask you a question. When was the last time that you longed to sense the presence of God? Like were the last time that you're like, man, God, I, I want to connect with you. And this may be a completely new idea for some of you. Some of you are like, I have no clue what you're talking about. That's okay. Because again, I can preach a thousand sermons and I can tell you every which way and not do justice to it. But one moment in the presence of God will give you the answers that you need. It's not by intellect. It's not by understanding. It's not by inspiration. It's saying, God, I'm open for you to be you in my life. And whatever that looks like, I trust you. I think sometimes we don't talk about that enough in church and even in our spiritual life and in our understanding is that we have to trust the Lord. I mean, my wife trusts me that when I say, hey, we're going to get in the car and we're going to go on a trip. She doesn't think twice about it. She lays down and goes to sleep. And she wakes up and goes, are we there yet? And I say, no. And she goes, She's not worried if we're going to go where I said we're going. Why? Because she trusts me. She trusts that I'm going to do what I say that we're going to do. Like, oh, I've just been circling the block for the last four hours. I'm glad you had a good nap. If I say we're going to this place, that's where we're going to go. And you know what? She sleeps without a problem. She doesn't wake up and be like, hey, where are we at? How many miles have we gone? When, when, when are we going to get there? She might say, hey, which we, this is funny. She calls me a P-Nazi, by the way. You're like, what is that? Because I won't stop. I'm like, look, the clock's running. And my maps program says I'm going to be there at 5.08. I'm trying to shave it under 5 o'clock. And if I get there before 5 o'clock, I have succeeded today. Like, And so we've had to work on our communication through the years. Because she's like, hey, I need to stop at that gas station. And I'm like, well, I'm not turning around. You should have told me before the exit. And then we had to say, hey, I need, I need a little more heads up than just at the exit. I need you to, like, I got to get out of the fast lane. I got to get over so I don't cut somebody off. Like, I, I need a little more. So now we're, we're progressing. In our marriage life, our communication is getting better. 
she's trusting me a little more. And she's like, hey, in the next half hour, stop at a gas station. Okay. That way it's my idea. See, she's getting smarter. Because then I get to pick the gas station, you know. So she's... But she trusts me, right? She's not worried about, am I going to go where I said or we're going to do what we said, all of these things. She trusts me. And because she trusts me, she can just lay down and go to sleep, not a care in the world. Why? Number one, because she knows I'm going to go where I said, but she also knows I'm not going to do anything to put her in danger. That I'm going to take care of her no matter what. She has absolute trust. And because she has absolute trust, she has no concern about going to sleep in the car. My question for you is, do you really trust the Lord? Like, do you trust that he's good? Do you trust that he has nothing but good things for you? That he really wants to reveal his love and his care for you in a very personal way. Like, Jesus didn't die for humanity Jesus died for us, like individuals. It's a very personal thing. And there's something to be said that, you know, I, I can remember, actually, when me and Dare were dating. I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but I am. Me and Dare were dating. had been dating a little over two years. And we had a great relationship, great friendship, all this stuff. Everything, I mean, just on the, on the surface, everything was great. And I left for about six, eight weeks in the summer. Uh, I was doing a ministry thing. I was traveling kind of all over the country, doing some stuff over the summer. I was leading an internship, and we were traveling. All this. I want to see it's over. I'm a very black and white person, like real. And so I remember, I mean, it was kind of like one of those funny little moments. But our last stop was at, the, at our home church. And so, you know, because my family was there and this and that. But I'd already, and I knew. Because I, I even told her, but she didn't like this, by the way. Because we were talking quite a bit the first week. And I told her, I said, hey, I, I just feel like I just need to not talk for a few weeks, which she was really not happy about. And I said, until I get home, I don't want to talk on the phone. I just want to kind of focus on what I'm doing and what I feel like the, the Lord has during the season. And, uh, you know, but all along in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like, if she ain't the first person I want to see, we're going to break up. And uh, because I, I didn't want somebody I could live with, I wanted somebody I couldn't live without. I really did. And everything was great. There was nothing wrong in our relationship. There was no, like, secondary, like, oh, you know, she's awesome, but no, it wasn't like that. Um, but anyhow, long story. Obviously, me and Dara married today. She was the first person that I wanted to see. And we had one of those movie moments where we were, like, running, like, dun, 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 dun. like jump into each other's arms and swing her around and... It really was that way, and so it was kind of funny. But, um, you know, but the truth was is that, you know, I mean, we even have the, the phrase is that absence makes the heart fonder. And I'm not telling you to, like, necessarily to walk away from the Lord so you can come back and it be better. That's not what I'm telling you. What I'm saying is that there is a longing on the inside of you. It may be a whisper at this point. But there is something on the inside of you that, that you really want to connect with the Lord. And so I want to read you just a, a verse here. It comes out of Psalm 63. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. He says, God, you are my God. He says, I earnestly search for you. He says, my soul thirsts for you and my body longs for you. 
in a parched and a weary land where there is no water. He says, I have seen you in your sanctuary and I've gazed upon your power and your glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself and how I praise you. He says, I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. He says, you satisfy me more than the richest feast and I will praise you with songs of joy. I didn't have time to get into this, but maybe I'll talk more about it next week. But, you know, the Bible really talks about two, um, two different experiences, if you will. Two different ways, I guess, or, uh, that you can really um, know the presence of God. Number one, it's the abiding presence, which is the God, hey, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Even when you don't feel me, I'm there. Even when you think I've abandoned you, I'm there. That's what the scriptures say. So by faith, I have to believe that God is always with me because of, that's what the word says. But I don't have to live my life solely based on the abiding presence of God. Solely. There's times that by faith, I just have to believe God's with me because he said he was. So there's the abiding presence of God. The Bible says that that Jesus was the one who will abide with us forever. In other words, inside, he's going to come make home. He's going to set up some residence in us. But So the Bible talks about that. But the Bible also talks about the manifest presence of God. Let me say it another way. The presence of God that you can sense and feel. And you may feel it in times of worship. You may feel it at times where you're reading the word of God or just a moment where you're praying out of just desperation even. And all of a sudden you you, you sense the presence of God. That's the manifest presence of God. And I don't want to be just satisfied or just communicate to you about, oh, God's always with you. God's always with you. God's always with you. Because sometimes you need a little more than just God's with me. I, I need God like with me. And I need his presence and I need his spirit. It's available to every one of us. Just as it says here, it says that I've seen you in your sanctuary and I've gazed upon your power and your glory. The Father is still full of power and still full of glory. He's not lacking in ability or might or desire. We just have to be willing to yield and say, Lord, I I want to invite you. I want to open up my heart to you. I mean, it's like the, the prayer that David prayed, which is a dangerous prayer. I warn you up front. But it says, Lord, search my heart and know me. If there's any evil thought, show me. Lead me in the ways of everlasting. I mean, he prays this, I mean, beautiful prayer, right? But he says, God, if there's any, if there's any roadblocks in my heart, just show me. If there's anything keeping me back, because this is what I would encourage you to do. And this is where some soul searching comes in. If you've not connected with the Lord in a while, or if there seems to be something that's just keeping you, there probably is. There probably is something in the way, and you've got to remove those barriers. And the Lord is faithful. He's good. He will reveal to you what it is. Say, hey, if you'll just adjust this, my presence can flow in your life the way that you desire for it to. So there are things that sometimes we lay aside. It's not always easy, but... I have to choose. Do I want that or do I want the presence of God? Do I want to grow? Do I want to go deeper in my, in my walk with the Lord, my connection with God? I, I don't want to have head knowledge. I want to have real experiential knowledge of who God is. And that may be a point of prayer and something to begin to ask the Holy Spirit about. And just say, go pray that prayer of David. Lord, search my heart and know me. Show me. Show me what's in me that I may not even be aware of. It's keeping me from experiencing all that you have for me. And so this morning...